I know there's a lot of equity uh, standing on the sidelines, just kind of like waiting for a, for a better moment. We, we just feel this, this and like any other investment platform is just like, a, you know, you need to keep going, uh, keep looking, staying true to your numbers, true to your model, true to your uh, business plan. Let's get ready to scale. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of Ready to Scale. I am Jeanette Friedrich now. Uh, just after this weekend, had my wedding, which was wonderful. And uh, I'm excited to have our guest on the show as well today. Today, we are going to be speaking with Daniel Angel Mejia. He is the managing partner at Apex Development Group. It's a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and managing single family and multifamily assets. Uh, very interestingly enough, Daniel actually began his career in Colombia, uh, working as the manager for real estate strategy and investments for Columbia Real Estate Fund, which at the time was the largest private equity fund in Colombia, valued at about 1.2 billion assets under management. He has a BA in business management from Georgia State University, and he's coming to us today from Atlanta, Georgia. So Daniel, welcome to the show. Jeanette, thank you so much and congrats on that uh, wedding. I, I didn't know that, but uh, definitely congratulations. Uh, well, thank you. Very much appreciated. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners also didn't know that. So that's a, <laughs> my exciting surprise for everybody this week. Yeah, but let's get back on you because uh, it's a little weird for me. I've had plenty of attention this past weekend. Uh, so, Daniel, you have a really inspiring story. And, you know, uh, first of all, I'm kind of curious what your journey has been as an immigrant um, here to the United States. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Uh, so in, in my case, um, I had the opportunity and fortune of uh, going to school in, in the States. Uh, so when I graduated from high school in 02, I went to Atlanta, uh, as you mentioned, in Georgia State University. And then once I finished there, I went back to Colombia, and that's where I started my career. Uh, so obviously, born and raised in Colombia, uh, got a chance to study in the States, but then started my career in, in, in Colombia again. Nine years after that, um, I had the opportunity uh, to get back to the States, coincidentally back to Atlanta with a Colum headquartered, Colombian headquartered uh, cement and ready mix company. Um, always in the corporate world with that kind of like entrepreneurial mindset, uh, in a you know great place to uh, to, to work. But uh, always wanted to to at, at some point uh, be doing uh, you know my own stuff. Um, I had a what I call like a pretty soft landing because it was with a company a pretty nice transition, but uh, later on um, decided to, to go my way. Yeah. And let's talk about that because I think that, you know, there's a lot of people that do get into real estate, you know, on the side or maybe with just a, a, one or two single families, but it's a big decision to take that leap from having your nine to five and a very nice and secure job to like, Hey, I think I'll risk it all and start my own firm. So what gave you the courage or the inspiration to do that? And how did you plan for it? Did you do it, you know, uh, piece by piece? Did you just kind of jump in there and do it, you know, all in, all at once? How did you do it? Uh, 
<laughs> you know what? Uh, it it took it took a couple of um, I guess attempts, uh, and I and I need to give uh, a good chunk of credit to my business partner Daniel Gonzalez, who's not here today with us, uh, who helped me push that needle. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, like yeah, someone coming from the corporate world having the nine to five, it's it's that kind of like security or sense of security. Um, definitely late 2015, I started, as you mentioned, doing a couple of investments, my own, my own funds, uh, obviously taking all the experience I had from, uh, that real estate, um, larger institutional, uh, funds, uh, and applying it to what was straight flipping, uh, helped, uh, it, it was a side gig side business, uh, and then later on, I met uh, Daniel, who was, he's fully entrepreneurial. He never believed in the corporate world and did it his way since day one. Uh, that helped, but uh, it was a couple of attempts. So initially, I was on my own. And then uh, that's part of the story that I don't know if we had a, an opportunity to talk about it, but I, I had the chance to, to work with Cortland Partners, and uh, who's based in Atlanta, a large multifamily operator. Uh, you know, so it, I went after taking the leap, I went back to corporate for a while and then finally made that final decision. So it was kind of like a non-planned transition, but definitely a couple of attempts with some help uh, from, from Daniel, definitely. Nice, nice. And just out of curiosity, what would you say are some of the best lessons that you learned from that? Because, you know, it's something that I think a lot of people consider. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I think one, one of the most, uh, you know, something I, I repeat a lot is trust your gut more than your mind. Uh, we usually have a lot going on in our in our heads more than what, what there's in, in our gut. And, and, you know, the gut feeling is the, is the best feeling always. Um, there was a lot of things that I knew were, would go right. And I, I had second guesses. And that's why I kind of like got back. So I think that the best lesson is, is that just like trust your gut and, and go for it. You know, I, I always say, I mean, not, not like uh, there's no regrets obviously, but it's more like I, I, if I had to do it again, I would have done it faster maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard that before too. Yeah. yeah. But good, good advice. <laughs> now you were also creative though. You were very creative in the resources that you had and the network that you have. And essentially, uh, you know, I know that you shared with me before we went on air about the fact that you really leveraged uh, your network internationally uh, to help scale out your team, which I assume also is probably a little bit more affordable. So can you, can you talk about, you know, how you ended up scaling the team out uh, by doing that of course and and it has been definitely i, I think a great decision and it, it goes kind of like two ways one is what you just mentioned um it's it's uh more efficient cost wise uh and it has helped us have a team at earlier stages which definitely helps us uh not only build a team and delegate but start uh, like the uh the, uh, I guess, unwinding the multiple uh, hats you, you need to wear in, in these like early stages of, of a business. Um, but on the other hand, it also has helped us, uh, I guess, create 
job opportunities to our fellow, um, you know, people in, in Colombia. Uh, we found great talent, you know, bilingual, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people that, that really can help our support our growth. Uh, so we've kind of like have see it that, that way. Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious about that too. I was thinking about the fact that you probably have a bit of a niche when it comes to the fact that your group is actually bilingual. I don't know of a lot of bilingual, you know, multifamily owner and operators, syndicators out there. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some, but um, do you feel like that's given you a competitive edge here in the United States? Yeah, I mean, definitely. So, you know, we come from from the single family space uh, and we started doing straight flipping, a lot of renovation. So we have our own project management team. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of contractor and subcontractor base uh, that is, uh, you know, Latin American roots. So having a bilingual team helps a lot in that space. On the other side of the business, which is, you know, both like uh, capital markets and investor relations, we try to leverage that also. There's, you know, due to just many reasons, including political reasons and whatnot, but even if we just keep it at the um, interest of diversifying portfolios, there's a lot of Latin American families or family offices and individuals interested in uh, tapping into the American market. And that has helped a lot too. Yeah, I'm sure it has. I sure, I'm sure it has. Now let's talk about your transition from single family to multifamily. What, uh, why actually is my bigger question. Why did you decide to do that? Yeah, I think if, if we focus on the why, it's basically once we had our single family portfolio stabilized uh, and, and we did that house at a time. So at some point, the main conversation was like, how can we grow and how can we scale? Uh, and how can we take advantage of more efficient structures? Um, and it was, it, it turned out to be more like a natural conversation of like, well, you know, staying in the residential space. And if we want growth and scale, the multifamily uh, kind of like chapter came up naturally. Uh, obviously, a different story is how we did it and how much, you know, how long it, uh, it took us. But uh, definitely, that, that's kind of like how it went. I'm happy to hear that too. Tell us how you did that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, <clears throat> once we started uh, having those conversations of uh, why, when, and, and, and where, which turned out to be, uh, you know, looking into the multifamily space, it was, um, you know, originally we thought it would be like a, a lot smoother transition. But definitely there's a lot of different players starting from the sourcing of properties, uh, you know, financing, structuring and whatnot. Um, so, it, you know, at the end of the day, what we did was just, you know, list all the question marks we have and start knocking them out one at a time. Uh, that was late 2019 when we started figuring out how to make that transition. Uh, our first attempt to that was like, let's. Let's acquire one. Let's uh, source some deals, underwrite, understand the the you know the submarket and the asset class. Uh, mid 2020, that was early August 2020. We managed to acquire our first small multifamily deal, North Atlanta, uh, and that's where that transition actually started. You know, uh, today we can say after we 
uh, full cycle or single family portfolio in 2021 and 2022. We consider ourselves like full cycle. And after doing a, couple, a few more acquisitions on the multifamily side, so we're officially fully transitioned in that respect. Nice, nice. Now, um, you know, speaking of Atlanta, I know that you're very bullish on Atlanta. And if I understand correctly, your group focuses just in that area. Is that right? Correct. So, so far, that's the main market we have focused on. Uh, it, it comes more, well, first of all, you're right. We're, we're bullish on Atlanta. We think there's uh, fundamentals. It, it, I think it got a little bit too sexy too soon uh, <laughs> for, for a bit. But uh, we still feel there's fundamentals. It's definitely a sub-market uh, market. So you need to be uh, in, in, in our, I mean, how we see it, you need to be cautious on, on specific like sub-markets. Um, but the other reason is just because we, we like to be boots on the ground. We like, we like to be close to the asset. Uh, we don't do property management in-house. Everything else we do do in-house. But regardless of that, uh, we like to be as close as we can to the assets, specifically because we're doing value add. There's a lot of renovation. We have a project management team. And we need, need to be close. At least that's how, how we see it. Uh, doesn't mean we're going to stay only in Atlanta. We're looking at other markets, and that's that's something we're probably going to uh, take on pretty soon. All right. Well, good. Yes, we are big fans of the Atlanta submarkets. They've been very good to us. Um, and granted, we have noticed uh, that there is some softening of rents uh, in the in the market, but we're still getting premiums, uh, you know, and I think that I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, you see certain reports and data coming out, you know, talking a lot about rents are softening, rents are softening, but that also, you know, yeah, they're softening, but it doesn't mean that, you know, people are not still achieving premiums. They're just not at like 30, 35 percent you know, higher than, you know, the, than they were before, you know, really? so it, it really, yeah, I think it's interesting when people are saying it's softening. I'm like, yeah, well, it's softening from 30 to 15. That's not that bad, you know, <laughs> exactly. a lot of money to be had. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the economy because things have gotten crazy. It's been, you know, challenging for a lot of people, especially owner and operators. Uh, but before we do, let's go ahead and have a word from our sponsor. Ready to Scale is brought to you by Blue Lake Capital, where we hunt down the best multifamily investment opportunities that we can find and invite investors to join in with us. We target Class B value-add multifamily properties across the Sunbelt. Our CEO, Ellie Perlman, invests a substantial amount of capital into every deal. This means our interests are aligned with yours. If you're an accredited investor looking to expand your portfolio and diversify sponsors, be sure to visit us at bluelake-capital.com. Blue Lake Capital, be bold, be extraordinary, and keep moving forward. All right. So let's talk about everybody's not favorite topic, the economy. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, first of all, I'm curious to know, um, how is your group doing? How are your current assets doing? Are you facing any of the challenges that a lot of owner and operators are admittedly facing, which is, you know, for, for anyone that doesn't, you know, kind of know or understand, 
you know, uh, a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, uh, no one was really taking out fixed rate loans because it just really, it would kind of kill the deal. It didn't make sense to do it. Uh, interest rates were so low that, you know, the vast majority of people were taking out variable rate loans that, you know, obviously now have made it more challenging for multifamily owner and operators uh, when it comes to a cash flow perspective because of the increase in interest rates, mortgages, you know, uh, have gone up, you know, tremendously and how much people are paying for the debt has gone up a lot. And it's been, it's been hard. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious to know, have you run into the same challenge that many other operators have? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is, this is something, um, I think that's, uh, across the board. Uh, I, I wouldn't believe there's anyone out there not experiencing these challenges <clears throat> in our, in our case, uh our, we have a couple of deals that are um currently on on floating rates and um just like bridge loans you know as you as you mentioned like a few years back or a couple of years back anything different than that if you're doing a value add it just made sense to it that way we have rate caps in place so it helps but definitely there's a gap that we uh ended up having to deal with uh we're in the middle of um finishing renovation and leasing up. So, you know, uh, I guess leading towards stabilization point, it's definitely a little bit challenging as you also mentioned, you know, some of, some of these rents have softened a little, a little bit. In our case, we, we try to be like very conservative on uh, rent bumps and rent growth in our underwriting. So it wasn't something we were counting on anyways. So it helps. But, uh, but definitely, there's a couple of deals that we're, we're, we're going through uh, challenges, uh, but it's something I think uh, that, you know, if, if, if you underwrote correctly, if, you're, if you didn't uh, <clears throat> assume something like extremely bullish and, and you have a proper property management group in place, uh, you know, you, you should be fine. That's, that's our take on that. Um, this year, we acquired one deal earlier this year, fixed rate agency, right off the bat, something that a couple of years back would be like, what are you thinking? Uh, it's definitely a lot smoother, um, more capital, less efficient capital structure, but still numbers make sense. And I think that's been the challenge in the, in, you know, in the past few months, making, making numbers work and make, making deals pencil. But, um, you know, I think it's a matter of understanding each deal has its own particular situation. Each deal is just a different animal. You need to be flexible. You need to be creative uh, and just come up with the, with the right solution for it. I, I, I also think like today's market, what has brought is just um, a, an actual need for people to manage and, and really think thoroughly and through every deal rather than just buy expect for a you know cap rate compression and get rid of it uh so i think it, it's just a, it's natural it's a cycle and and we we like it it's a, it's a nice challenge yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say I like it. I'm not too thrilled with the challenges, but um, you know, in being very authentic, you know, um, 
you know, a lot of operators, you know, are, are all facing these challenges. It's it's industry wide, 100 uh, percent. But we do like where we're at in the economy from the standpoint of the fact that we feel like now is the best time to be buying for sure. Um, you know, so a lot of these, you know, assets, they're not, you know, uh, significantly discounted or anything along those lines. But, you know, it, it definitely, I think the gap between buyer and seller expectations is starting to get a little closer, which is good. We needed mm. that. And like you, we also, uh, you know, recently, um, uh, you know, closed on a new deal. Um, and not only is it fixed rate, but thankfully we were able to actually assume the debt. Uh, which made the deal even more attractive. Uh, so there, there is still opportunity to be had out there. And so I'm assuming that your group is going to continue to actively look for acquisitions, even in the economy with the way it is today, uh, being that, you know, you just closed on a deal this year as well. Yeah, correct. I mean, 100%. We, we, we keep looking. Uh, I know there's a lot of equity uh, standing on the sidelines, just kind of like waiting for a, for a better moment. We, we just feel... This, this, and like any other investment platform, is just like a you know, you need to keep going, uh, keep looking, staying true to your numbers, true to your model, true to your uh, business plan. Um, there's obviously a lot more underwriting than actual offers out there in our case, but we keep underwriting anywhere between eight to ten deals a week. Uh, a lot of those don't work. There's still a gap, as you mentioned, but, but we also see that gap narrowing down, uh, which, you know, the, the the more active we are on the underwriting side, I think the better we're going to be, uh, you know, situated for whatever the, the, the market's in a, in a better place. So we, we agree with that. We're, we're on it. Yeah, well, good. Glad to hear it. What about your um, investors? How is their sentiment? Um, you know, I have found that it's really interesting. It's a it's a big split. Uh, some of my investors are really bullish because of uh, where we are in the economy. And then others, of course, are sitting on the sidelines. So how are you looking at this fundraising <clears throat> standpoint? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, there's I would say a nice split right down the middle there. Uh, a lot of people are waiting. Uh, waiting for a for a you know better a better market a safer market maybe uh, but we do have a, a handful of um, in, you know investors that are a little bit more bullish and and just probably waiting for a for a nice returns considering the added risk there uh, but I think it's a matter of just having the right deal once you have a deal on hand I think there's enough liquidity out there to to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, too, I think now is a time where management is hypercritical, um, you know, be, making sure that properties are operating, you know, at optimal efficiency. And then also, I think also being creative and how you can generate additional revenue streams on the property as well. So I'm curious to know, um, you know, what are some of the if you want to share your tips and tricks, um, you know, what are some ways that you've been able to generate additional revenue from properties aside of the rent? Right. Um, well, in, in our case, uh, we have a, a couple of properties that are, you know, class C where we're uh, adding like more value. It's 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 like true renovation that we're going with. So it's just pure rent. Uh, there's not a lot of, a lot of like other income uh, added right now, but uh, there's definitely one thing that we're that we're doing is um, adding washers and dryers 
to the units wherever we have um, you know laundry facilities and and trying to add that other income component with uh, you know renting the equipment pretty much that's that's one of our line items that we're working on. Yeah, nice. And that definitely helps. We do the same thing when it comes to the washer and dryer units. Um, all right. Well, Daniel, this has been very interesting and I appreciate you sharing what your experiences have been and your journey. Um, the last thing I'd like to do is what we call our lightning round questions. And these are just five questions that I ask every guest that comes on the show. So are you ready? Yeah, of course. All <laughs> right. So my first one is, what do you actually do for fun? What is a hobby of yours? Uh, I like uh, running and uh, riding my bike. All right. Very good. Uh, what is something interesting about you that most people don't know? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> well, most people don't know I'm from Colombia, but we already said that. In the we first gave that one away. Seconds. Geez, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, what about as far as books? Uh, what book have you read uh, that you were really either inspired by or found to be incredibly informative that you would actually recommend other investors should, should check out? Yeah, I think there's two. Uh, one is Atomic Habits and the other one's uh, um, Who Not How. Hmm. I like those two. Nice. All right. I'll have to check out Who Not How. I'm not familiar with that one. Um, now, um, you know, one of the things that we talk about too, is that, you know, while this is real estate is fun, making money is really fun. Everybody likes to make money, but you know, the point of it is really to be able to live an extraordinary life and to have, you know, the life that, you know, we're all working hard uh, for living. Right. So what is your advice for people that want to build an extraordinary life? Um, I think there's two things. One start now. Um, uh, and, and second is just. Keep going and trust trust yourself. Nice. I really like that. Start now. That's uh, that's actually very good advice. All right. And then last but not least, Daniel, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, thanks so much, Jeanette, for that one. Um, definitely like LinkedIn, Daniel Angel Mejia. Just look it up. Or my email is theangel at apexinvestments.us. And uh, also you can just uh, you know go, go to our website. Just check out what we have out there. It's uh, apexinvestments.us. All right, perfect. And we'll be <clears throat> we'll be sure to include those in the sh in the show notes too, uh, just in case anyone's not totally sure how to spell Makia. So, <laughs> Daniel, Thanks thank you that. so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's it's been a great time, and uh, looking forward to the next one. Yeah, for sure. And for those of you that tuned in today, we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, and review the show. Leave us a comment and let us know what you'd like to hear more of. And we'll see you again next week. In the meantime, be bold, be strong, and keep moving forward. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>